Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great privilege this morning uh, to introduce our guest, Adrian Dupree, to you. The first time I heard about him was from the man who discipled me all through high school while in Africa, who I have a lot of respect for and who you have met a couple of times, Bay Forrest. And the very first time Bay was here, he says, have you heard of this guy named Adrian? He's like, I was down doing something with him in the States. And he says, man, you think I'm passionate about my faith? He's like, this guy is so passionate. Then last year, remember Christian Chapman was here? I phoned Christian earlier on uh, towards the end of last year, and I just said, hey, Christian, you have anyone in mind who you think might be a good fit for our Father's Day? And he just went, Adrian. He's like, yes, you better call him. So we were able to call him and get a hold of him, and he's able to join us here. He flew in last night, and he'll be flying back home this afternoon. And Adrian then told me this morning that he actually discipled Christian. So that's pretty cool. And I know you did a good job, Adrian, because last year it blew me away that a speaker would show up and just get in line and start serving people food. And you did the same thing this morning. And so he, he learned well from you. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm thankful for leaders who God has put in positions that uh, are humble and just get stuck in and, and get working. Adrian is an itinerant speaker with Kingdom Building Ministries, which operates out of Colorado. And then at the same time, he is also the chaplain for the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. So ladies and gentlemen, can we give Adrian a warm welcome this morning? Uh, the reason why I brag about my wife at the beginning of the message is because I think every man should brag about his wife. Every man should brag. I was Lou Holtz's. Is that the women clapping? That's cool. Okay, now watch it now. I was Lou Holtz's chaplain. He interrupted me one time and said, no, sir, my wife's the best. I said, uh-uh, my wife's the best. He said, I'm the head coach. I said, how about a tie? So I just think men should brag about their wife. So let's practice real quick. I want all the married men to stand up. Take your time. Hurry up. Let's go. Take your time. Hurry up. All the married men stand up, let's go. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you five seconds to think about what you're going to say. Then I'm going to give you ten seconds to brag about your wives out loud. All at the same time. Now I need you to use your diaphragm. Give me something strong. Don't be like some sissy guy. Come on. It's a man thing. Now wait till I say go. Okay, good. First time that's ever happened in 25 years of me preaching. I like that. I like that. Okay. So I need you to be strong now. Come on, be a man. This isn't a woman's thing. I mean, it's okay if it was. I'm just saying it's not. So when I say go, you got 10 seconds on your marks. Wait a minute, I'm not very good with math. Get set. Go. (laughs) Very good. Turn it up. Five seconds. Four. Good job, gentlemen. You can sit down. Good job, gentlemen. All right, that's good. That's good. Very well done. That may have been, I don't know what it is about Canada, but that may have been the loudest I've ever heard a group this size do. Good job. Listen, if you were going to be quiet, I was going to bring you up here one at a time. Got a little microphone over here. Okay, so, all right, now, uh, Pastor Kelvin here. Kelvin, uh, how you doing, man? Good to see you. I need, I need to get one of the holiest guys in the room. He, he glows, so that's why I got him. See the glow. So I need him to play the part of God for me. If you come standing right over here, you're playing the part of God for me. That's why I picked you. Uh, I could have, probably could, could have picked Rick and Pastor Rick. Okay, so turn and face me. It's not like I'm telling God what to do. Okay, now you're playing the part of God. That's just because of the glow. You don't really have the glow as much as he does. So, uh, sorry, no offense. So my, my point here is I'm going to give you the invitation for this message at the beginning of the message. 
Uh, just in case you have ADHD, QTC 517 set of issues like I do. Squirrel! I mean, I have issues. Can't keep my attention on nothing. Sorry, I'm a guy with seven-second attention span. So just in case, I want you to... to Think about this invitation. Let your mind wander towards it. The invitation for this morning is for, the, for you to put your trust in God. Now, the word trust comes from the Hebrew word batak, B-A-T-A-C-H, and it literally means in Hebrew to lay it flat on your face. So this is what it looks like when you put your trust in God. I'm saying to God, I trust you. Nice shoes. Look at these shoes. These are some nice shoes. What kind of shoe is that? Is that? It's velvet. Okay, good. I'm saying to God, I trust you. They even smell good. How do you do that? I trust you. I don't care what people think about me doing this. Is it clear to you that I don't care what you think about me doing this? Because I don't. I mean, you can just shut up because I don't care. I'm saying to God, I trust you. You can step on me. You can stalk me. I couldn't care less what anybody thinks about me doing this. All of my life is in love with you as the Lord God Almighty. Thanks, bro. That's the invitation for this morning. That's why I've got these four chairs up here. This one right here is going to be chair number one. Uh, no, no, it's going to be chair. This one's going to be chair number one. This is going to be chair number two, chair number three, and chair number four. What number is this one? one. Louder and quicker? One, two, three. Louder. One, two, three, four. One, two. Come on. One, two. No, three. Now, this is a modern day parable, and all of us in this room, preacher boy included, All of us are in one of these four chairs, spiritually speaking. All of us. Now, the goal for this message is that every one of you would be in this seat right here before you leave here. That's heavy. Okay, now watch it. That every one of you would be in this seat before you leave here. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, wants you in this chair. The reason why he died is so you can enjoy this chair. Not everybody's in this seat, of course, but everybody can be in this seat. Enough room for everybody in the room to be in that chair. But all of us are in one of these four chairs. We'll start with the first chair, go to the second chair. Do I talk too fast? Not for Canada. You don't talk faster than me, eh? So watch this now. I'm getting it. I see y'all, y'all, y'all. Say y'all for me. Y'all. Eh? Okay, now watch this now, okay. So <laughs> I forgot where I was. Okay, so the, everyone's in one of these four chairs. We'll start with the first chair, go to the second chair, go to the fourth chair, end up with the third chair. Good, let's go. First chair. This is somebody out there who completely and totally loves Jesus. This person loves the Lord, and that you could tell that they love the Lord because you cannot hide what you love. If you love to hunt, your house looks like this, <laughs> like mine does. I'm just saying, if you love something, everybody around you knows what you love. People do crazy things when they're in love. Let me give you an example. When I was in college, I was a slob. People came and took pictures of my dorm room and took them home to their parents and said, See, Mom, I'm not the messiest person in the world. This guy is that picture of my dorm room. A girl brought a 10-speed bike into our dorm room and said, Can you all fix my bike? My roommate played middle linebacker. I played defensive end. We said, sure, sweetheart, bring your bike right on in here. Put it over there on that side of the room. So she brought her bike in. It was easy. We fixed the bike and the chain fell off. It was easy. But she didn't come back for seven weeks. True story. Seven weeks later when she came back, she said, do y'all have my bike? I looked at my roommate. I said, I thought you gave it to her. He looked at me. No, I thought, I thought you gave it to her. We lost a 10-speed bike in our dorm room. It was complete, completely covered over with clothes. I mean, we were slubs. I mean, it was bad. I mean, we found it three days later. We thought someone stole it. Someone uh, opened up a can of sardines and slid under our bed, trying to play a joke on us. Six weeks later, comes in and says, don't you smell that? And we said, smell what? I mean, we were slobs. If you flick the posters, the roaches went everywhere out from behind them. I mean, it was horrible. I had one set of sheets, and I forgot to take them home for Christmas break, which is an honest mistake. And I never washed in the entire year. 
Thank you. At the end of the year, they were crunchy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Eh? Why do I tell you that story? The reason why is because it has everything to do with the first year. People do crazy things when they're in love. I got married right out of college. I went from being the worst slob on the planet to my wife is a, she's five foot four, blonde hair, blue eyes, righteous fox, cha-ching, all that in a bucket of chicken. My wife is a very clean and neat person. Like hyper clean. I didn't say obsessive compulsive, but I was faking it. She can hear a piece of fuzz hit the ground in the living room when she's in the kitchen. What was that? I mean, clean. So when I got back from my honeymoon, from my honeymoon, I probably had never done this before, maybe three times in my life, but my palms got sweaty the first morning we woke up after our honeymoon, when we were in our home. My palms got sweaty, my blood pressure went up because I got to, I didn't have to, but I got to make the bed. And I made the bed for the last 25 years straight. Every morning I'm at home, I make the bed, I make the bed perfect, I do the hospital core thing, drop a cord on it, pick it up. I mean, I make the bed perfect. We have these pillows that go off the bed during the nighttime, and they go on the bed during the daytime. I have absolutely no idea what the purpose of these pillows is. I'm sorry, ladies, they're ugly. They're frou-frou. There's not a single shotgun shell on any of them, anywhere. There's flowers. I'm six foot six and weigh 200 fuzzy pounds, 200 shut your face pounds, punch, punch you in the mouth pounds. I'm trying to hold my stomach and it's getting harder and harder. But I'd just as soon punch you than do this. But because my wife loves those pillows, you know what I do with them? I fluff them. <laughs> I arrange them. I make different shapes and whatnot. And I, and I, mean, I mean, why? Because people do crazy things when they're in love. I vacuum the floor. Why would, I would never want any woman to vacuum ever in all of eternity. Women should never vacuum. That was a female appreciation there. The reason why is because when women give birth, there's some loosening there. I didn't say that. I'm just, uh, uh, issues with your low back. Let's just put it that way. You push a vacuum cleaner, it puts pressure on your low back. I think only the men should vacuum or their kids. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I vacuum, I, I uh, mop, I vacuum. Why? Because people do crazy things when they're in love. I love my wife. I don't care what you think about that. I clean the house. I went from being the worst slob on the planet to loving my house to be clean because I love my bride. People do crazy things when they're in love. This seat right here loves Jesus. That's what this seat, this person loves the Lord. So what crazy thing lately have you done for him? I mean, you can tell if you're in this seat because the person in this chair right here, they spend time reading their Bible. Not because they have to, but because they get to. They want to learn more about him so they read the book because they're not going to wait for the movie. They can underline, star, question marks. You're allowed to write your Bible. It's just two cows squeezing a tree. Leather and paper for my penguin fans. I'm just kidding, loosen up. So I'm just saying, this person right here, they, they're going to read the Bible. They, they want to read the Bible. It's not, you don't have to, they get to. Another thing about the first year is they spend time praying. Now, prayer is very difficult for me because I have ADHD, QTC 517 said hut issues. Squirrel. So I've developed my own personal prayer journal. It's a QDZ517 said prayer journal. I don't know what that means either. Just stay focused here. So uh, uh, my prayer journal goes all different directions. People who are in the first year, they want to figure out how to talk to the Lord a little more often than what they are doing. Not just dropping a napkin under the table and saying, bless this food for some butters. How are you all doing? Good to see you guys. I mean, they're not afraid to pray. Another thing about the first year is they believe in hell. You can tell if you believe in hell or not by whether or not you share your faith. 
Yet 97% of people who go to church today do not consistently share the gospel. 97%. It's kind of dangerous. But this chair right here, they love the Lord. They're going to figure out how to get people you know, into knowing who Jesus is. They're going to talk to other people about it. They're not going to be freaks about it. They're going to be kind and compassionate and, and figure out how to do it. It's not how much Bible you read, even though how much Bible you read is huge. Don't get me wrong. That's not the key to the seat. It's not how much time you spend in prayer. That's not the key. It's not how many people you share Jesus with. That's not the key. The key to this chair right here is this seat loves the Lord. And if you love, you're going to get better. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. The one who has my commands and keeps them, he's the one who loves me, says in 14, 21. And I will show myself to him. This seat right here knows the Lord personally, and they love him. And you, you, it's not how good you are at it. You could be in this seat if you, if you just recently got saved or have been saved for 50 years. But the key to this chair is you're growing a little bit at a time. Just a little bit at a time. Just growing. You're getting better. The more you know about cars, the better. Think about it for a second. If you don't know anything about cars, then it's hard for you to understand. I mean, if you, the more you learn, the more you practice, the more you get used to, the more you drive, the more you do whatever, the better you get at it. That's what this seat's all about. They love Jesus and they're getting better a little bit at a time. It's the first chair. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is this seat's strength. Nehemiah 8.10. That leads us to the second chair. Second chair is somebody out there who's a Christian. They've grown up in church pretty much, you know, every once in a while. Like I was a CME Catholic. You know what a CME Catholic is? Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Can I, is anybody else like that? Come on. Come on. I'm not making fun of the Catholic Church. It's just the way I grew up. I mean, I love all Catholics. I don't care. I, don't care. I speak in 96 different denominations. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I mean, who's your daddy? So watch it. This person right here. I don't know what that means. But this person right here, they've grown up. How many of y'all have grown up in a church? Raise your hand. If you've grown up in a church, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty much a majority. This person right here has grown up in a church. They're, they've become a Christian, but they've kind of gotten used to God. They're kind of complacent or apathetic. They feel very uncomfortable around the first chair. They look at the first chair and they say, hey, settle down. You're turning people off. They would rather the first chair compromise, stop being so excited about God, and come hang out with them. Not sure how that's working there. That seems to be a picture of our churches across the world. But this person right here, they're a Christian. They've kind of gotten used to God. See, I'll never forget when I became a Christian. I walked into my, my room drunk the first day of two days in college football. And my roommate jumped up and gave me a big hug and was screaming at me, roommate, how's it going? And I remember I jumped up in the bed. I thought that was weird that he was hugging me, but I wasn't cut used to it. I jumped up in the bed and he went back to his desk and started reading something. So I said, hey, man, what you reading? He looks at me with this big smile and says, I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> Have you ever in your life ever seen somebody smiling and reading the Bible? Usually it's, uh, cha 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 Oh, I'm sorry. All I know is this guy was smiling reading the Bible. And I was laying there in bed for the first time ever. I was overwhelmed with conviction. I had a feeling of overwhelming sensation that all the sins that I had been committing in my life have hurt Jesus deeply. I saw myself lying to my mom the week before about doing drugs when I was high in the kitchen. I told her, of course, I didn't do drugs. I saw, I saw that sin hurting Jesus deeply, and I started to sob. My dad, when I grew up, said, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Have anybody ever heard that before? That was the way I grew up. You ain't going to cry around my house, boy. And I mean, that's, but I'm sitting there in bed laying there, and tears are flooding out of my eyes. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I'm sorry about that. I didn't know I was supposed to confess my sins. I said, Lord, I'm sorry about that. I confessed 31 sins that night. And I said, Lord, if there's a truck coming down the street and someone's about to get hit by it, I'll push him out of the way and die for him because now I know you. I didn't even know I got saved. 
Next morning, I got, got up and read the book of Matthew before practice. The whole 28 chapters of my roommate's King James Version. Didn't understand half the words, didn't care. By the end of the week, I read the whole New Testament, couldn't put the book down. Awesome. The first morning we can go to church on our own as a football team was also the first morning you can sleep in as a team. So I got up early and knocked on the guys' doors. Get up, guys. We're going to go to church. They said, shut up, man. We're not going to church. This is the first morning we can sleep in. I said in response to that, you shut up. We're going to church. See, I was a new Christian. I didn't know you weren't supposed to say shut up. You're supposed to say hush. You be still. No, just shut up. We got up and put our leisure suits on and sock ties. Yeah, baby. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at, there's, there's seven guys plus me, eight guys total. I'm looking to see who, what denomination we're going to go to. My roommate has the biggest Bible, so we're going to his denomination. When he told me his denomination, inside I went, no! I thought for sure they'd be dancing on the back of the pews. You know, talking some kind of weird language, holding onto the ceiling fans. I mean, I was terrified. Handling snakes. Here, drink this poison. It's not going to hurt you. I mean, I was, I mean, I was terrified. So I'm driving to this denomination, and, and uh, I'm just panicking. I mean, and, and, and I'm sweating inside, and all these guys are in the backseat. So I get there. I get, I get out of the car as fast as I can. You've probably never heard of them anyways. They're called Southern Baptists. Probably never heard of them. I mean, I got it wrong, okay? I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying that's what I thought. I mean, I was wrong. So I'm, I walk in the back of this church, and these guys are still a quarter of my back getting out of the car. I said, I'll get us some seats. I walk in the back, and there's no room in the end, nowhere for us to sit, except for the whole front row was wide open. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know the rules. So I went down, hey, must be the front row. So I sat right in the middle of the front row. Ha <laughs> ha, front row. My roommate comes in the back and says, no, not the front row. I said, come on, roommate, we can watch the guy sweat, get some DNA, come on. Like, now, okay, now we all sat in the front row of that church. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Whole first year we sat in the front row of that church. Didn't know until the end of the year I wasn't supposed to be sitting there. I didn't know. Sorry. So I, got, I walk in there, and, and, and I'm, I'm looking at the walls. They're kind of pretty, they have pastel colors and pretty flowers and whatnot. I guess a man didn't, or it wasn't like this stage here. I wish we had some gun racks and stuff like that on that. But it didn't have what I, what I was looking for. I thought, eh, I don't care. Then they started playing this tune, mur, mur, scared me to death. The noise came out of the walls. I said, ah, what is that? My roommate said, it's an organ. A liver? <laughs> I don't mean to offend you by saying this. I mean to offend you by saying other things. I don't mean to offend you by saying this. The music was kind of cheesy to me. I'm sorry. It's kind of it horrible. <laughs> I thought that was just terrible. But then I started singing the words. And the words for the first hymn I ever sang was, Oh, for a thousand tongues to see my great redeemer's praise. I'm sitting in front of this church just crying, looking up to heaven, saying, God, this one tongue just ain't going to get it. About a thousand tongues, maybe then I can start telling you how great you are. I became a huge fan of hymns. I had a long conversation with a guy named Chris Tomlin, and I asked him if he ever taught a new worship song. He said, yeah, I do it all the time. I said, what happens with the worship level in the, in the congregation or in the, in the conference center? He said, the worship drops off the bottom when you teach somebody a new song. I said, do you know why? He said, I wish you'd tell me. Because there's a big difference between cats and dogs. If you feed a dog, play the dog, pet a dog, the dog thinks, wow, you must be God. If you feed a cat, play the cat, pet a cat, the cat thinks, wow, I must be God. Right? Can I get an amen from anybody? You see, what happens in churches today is we come to church, now that doesn't happen to everybody, but you know, sometimes we sit in the same seat every week. And that's not a sin, but you gave your tithe one time last year. 
So it's your seat, and you have your name carved in the back of the pew right there in front of you. Look at that. Am I losing my hair there? What is that? Turn. Oh, no. Okay, just, just don't do that. Oh, don't do that! What are you doing? This is a funny church. Y'all are awesome. We're going to be here all day if you keep laughing. Okay, now watch this now. So uh, I'm sitting, you sit at ch- church this week, and one time the pastor's preaching on a message, touches your soul, it blesses your heart. You get up, walk out the back, shake his hand. Awesome message. Typical for this church. The next week, you're at a different church necessarily. <laughs> but the preacher's preaching a message, you have no idea what he's talking about. You walk out the back, shake his hand, uh, didn't really get nothing out of it. You know what both of those are? Both of those are cats. Because the focal point of church has become me. It's all about me, Adrian, and all this, this is for me. The focal point of church has become me instead of what he thinks. It's what I think. And so people don't like the pews. They complain about it. They don't like the different style. By the way, your music is amazing. I speak all over the nations. Been in 38 countries. Been in 48 states. Been in Canada. So I haven't heard music like that in a long time. Great job. Great job. I mean, great job. I mean, you had a violin person. That's awesome. I can't get distracted by the violin. What do you do? So, so, I mean, this, you know what the second chair is? second chair is a bunch of cats. You know what a pastor's job is? Herding cats. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Ramp. You ever see two female cats fight? We just, dangerous. Stand back. See, I, I sat down in that first morning in that church, and the guy starts preaching in the God's providence. He's preaching from the New Testament. I'd already read the whole New Testament. I was listening to him. I said, that's amazing. I didn't get that. I started taking notes in my roommate's Bible because I didn't have a Bible yet. <laughs> Writing in his Bible. I figured that guy knows more than I know. First chair people almost always take notes. Second chair people almost never take notes. You know why? Because they're saying, all right, preacher man, let's see what you got for us. Come to a lot of churches, been a lot of preaching. Let's see if you can, see if you can move us, preacher man. That's a cat's mentality. A dog says, huh, I don't care if I like his style or not. I'm going to get something out of it so I can give somebody else something. They come to church so they can be equipped to go out and bless somebody else. You're blessed here to be a blessing. That's the purpose of this sanctuary anyways. But this second seat, they kind of gotten used to all that. And, and, and uh, so I thought to myself, I know why they're dancing on the back of the pews here. This is awesome. I know why they're holding on to the ceiling fans. So I turned around. I was going to join them. But nobody was doing that. It doesn't matter what denomination you put on the church. Nobody was doing that. People were doing this. Or doing this. I went home and cried my eyes out. I thought, how is it possible for someone to be a Christian and get used to God? Jesus talks about this seat in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. How you've shown those people who claim to be apostles of being false. You've endured hardship and suffering and persecution. Great job! Great job, church up here in, in Oshawa, outside of Toronto. Eh? Great job. So if someone came in here preaching, you know, Jesus Christ really isn't God. Y'all would know and get mad. Good job. Jesus says to this church right here, you've done all these things, but there's one thing I hold against you. You've left your first love. Well, what is first love? I was dating my wife in college. We'd been dating for about three months. I was madly in like with her. It was Valentine's Day. So I bought her a dozen of the college roses to call carnations. 
Dollar sixty-nine a dozen. Who's your daddy? So I got on my knees outside the chemistry lab, waited for the bell to ring. As soon as the bell rang, I was the, co- the hallway was packed with college students. I wasn't ready for that, but I'm still kind of tall on my knees. So the hall, I, I, so I saw her blonde head bobbing out. She couldn't see me, but I could see her. So I started singing as loud as I could. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? I'm an octave above what I can handle, anyways. It was like the Red Sea. People started saying, "Is he singing to me?" No. They split right down the middle, stopped on her. Her shirt was red. Her face was red. And she's going, no, please, no. She's the exact opposite personality from me. You know how to pray for my wife now, don't you? Okay. So I start calling towards her. I'm like, you're everything that I hope for. And you're everything I need. I got right up close to her. Everybody in the hallway stopped. They were staring at us. Shut up, man. He's singing to her. I wasn't ready for that, but I can work with it. I'm right up next to her. You are so beautiful to me. Yeah, yeah. All, all the girls in the hallway said, oh. All the guys said, shut up, man. Making us look bad. I mean, I like a good flipper, are we not, man? Lisa leans down and gives me this big hug and whispers in my ear, I'm going to kill you. I mean, that's first love. People do crazy things when they're in love. But I've been married now for 25 years, coming up on 26 now. And my wife and I, uh, when there's a ball game on television, NASCAR, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, when it's on TV, the couch and I male bond. His name is Tony. What up, T? And I'll make a noise like, I would never have made that noise while we were dating. While you're dated, it's, hey, kookaburra, sh- schmooksy, p- pooksy, schmooksies. <laughs> You've been married 25 years. It's, ah, come on, come on, Lisa's walking through the room with a big basket of clothes. And I said, Lisa, when you're done with that, you might get me something to drink. <laughs> Excuse me for the men out there who are married. That's from the pit of hell. As a matter of fact, gentlemen, I can tell right now what you think about Jesus by how you treat your wife. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So as much as Jesus loved me by dying on the cross, that's how much I'm supposed to love my wife. Husbands, I can tell exactly what you think about Jesus, about how you treat your wife. You kind of gotten used to her through time. Guess what? That's because you've gotten used to Jesus. Wives, I can tell what you think about Jesus, by how well you submit to your husbands. Having trouble with submission, it's because you're having trouble with Jesus. Now, submission doesn't mean lower or lesser. It just means you take your gifts and give them to your husband and say, okay, let's change the world together. It doesn't mean lesser, it doesn't mean subjection, it just means submission. Students, I can tell what you think about Jesus right now, about how well you honor and obey your parents. Having trouble, these are all found in, in Ephesians chapter 5, I just quoted several verses, but you didn't know, it's okay. See, these second chair issues, they've left their first love, They're, their focal point is me, all about me. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Jesus tells us the church of Laodicea, a church, he says to them, I know your deeds, I wish that you're hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, lukewarm, complacent, apathetic, Jesus says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You know what the word spew means? It means vomit. Stay with me and we're going to go fast. I'm going to go really fast through these last two. Stay with me. Fourth chair. That seat's puke. Fourth chair is somebody out there who knows for a fact that he or she's not a Christian. You're, you're the most honored guest in the room. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> you're probably the smartest person in the room, too. I mean, you wouldn't come in here unless you knew what you were doing. 
So you'll come check things out. You know who the first chair person is. They're trying to make you feel comfortable, talking about the music. It's all but the second chair person is talking about you behind your back. You know, they're not a Christian. You know, wish you'd become a Christian. It'd be awesome to become a Christian. But a Christian. The fourth chair person is not stupid. They see you talking about them. So they'll come check things out. Every fourth chair person knows who the first chair people are in their life. Because these people stick out like a sore thumb. Everyone knows who they are. But then they see the second chair people and they go, wait a minute now. That person's a Christian? They're lying just like I lie. They're cheating on their taxes just like I'm cheating on mine. They're gossiping, lusting, lying, being rude, insulting. They're doing it just like I'm doing it. This stuff's not real. Turn off. Hypocrite. I wish I could tell you how many times I've been on airplanes to share the gospel. I do it a lot. I have several million miles under my belt. I've traveled all over the world. One time in particular, it happened several times, but the guy had a little bowl on his head, curly, cute thing, big white beard. I had four semesters of Hebrew in seminary, so I was going to share with this Jewish rabbi using his Bible that Jesus was Messiah from the Old Testament. And he came that close to coming to Christ. And then he says this. He turns across his arms. I'll never forget it. Sits back in his seat and his face became ashen white. And he said, you know what? I would become a Christian if it wasn't for the hypocrites in church today. And he crushed me. Now, I can answer just about any question you ask me about Christianity. It's not because I'm smart. I played football in college. Just do the math. But I've read the Bible through 31 times now, and I've memorized 16 books of the Bible, but I'm not smart. I can't retain a bunch of stuff. I just try to get as much in me as I can. I've debated some of the top evolutionists in, in the United States on creation versus evolution. God has given me a favor. I've had eight debates. I've never lost a debate. Uh, 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 I travel around doing a bunch of stuff. I can answer just about any question you ask me about Christianity, but I can't answer the question, why are there so many hypocrites in church today? I don't know. Why would anyone go half speed on a football field? It was my job to sack the quarterback. I wasn't going to rip and shred and tear to get back there and play patty cake with him. I was going to lay hands on him and do it lovingly. I was going to eat him for lunch. But this chair here, they're lying, they're stealing, they're cheating, they're gossiping. They act one way when they're at church, another totally different way at home. Another totally different way at work or school. They're hypocrites, they're they're gossiping, they're lusting. This chair right here doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Why would somebody go half speed on a football field? Four chair people, I'll say this to you from my heart. I'm sorry about that seat. And if you think second chair people that I'm throwing you down, about a year and a half ago, I got in an argument with my wife, and I called her a name. What kind of man calls a woman a name? A second chair puke guy, that's who calls a woman a name. Why don't you man up and love your wife? So four chair people, I will say I'm sorry about me too. Being in that seat sometimes. I'm not perfect, I'm an idiot too. But I'll tell you this right now, four chair people, you're not being very smart about this. You're letting hypocrites keep you from the first chair. The hypocrites closer to the first chair than you are. Why why would you let that puke be closer to God than you are? It's like you're both in a house that's on fire. And the second chair singing their song. We're going to leave the house, O Lord, and you're visiting. We're going to leave the house. We're going to leave the house, O Lord. We're going to leave the house. And the fourth chair looks at him and says, you bunch of hypocrites. You're, you're singing about leaving the house, but you stay in the house, you hypocrite. 
Four-chair people, I've got a better idea for you. Why don't you get out of the house? It's on fire. Tell Jesus you're sorry about your stinking rotten sins. Give him all of your life. It's the best drug I've ever done. Awesome. Nothing compares to it. Breathe in the good air. Feel how great being saved is. Come back in the house. Listen, you have a few seconds to do it, so don't do it for long. Come back in the house. Tell the, fourth chair, the second chair person, you're not supposed to be in here. But I grab them by the hair and escort them out of the house. You know what I call that right there? Call that a revival. You know who almost always leads revivals? Four chair people get saved later in life. That leads us to the third chair. And the reason why I'm here, it's my calling in the ministry. Third chair person is a dangerous first seat, loves God. They're not perfect. They're still idiots, but they're getting better a little bit at a time. They're growing. Second chair, they're Christians, but they've gotten used to God. Jesus calls them puke. Four chair, they're confused. <laughs> first chair is awesome. Third chair, dangerous. Billy Graham believes there's as many as 70% of people go to church today in North America who are in this seat. Dangerous. What is this seat? It is somebody out there who believes by what I've said so far that they're in the second chair. They've prayed to receive Christ, been baptized, christened, confirmed, whatever your denomination requires for you to join the church, you've done it. But you're actually in this seat right here and you don't know it. Am I talking about someone who lost their salvation? No, no, no. I don't get into that controversial stuff. I, that stuff's silly to me. I don't even care. I'm an evangelist. I'm talking about someone who prayed, and they did it because their family wanted them to do it. They did it because it was like their friends wanted them. They didn't do it because they loved Jesus with all their heart and want to repent of their sins. They did it because they were supposed to, and they never truly gave themselves to Christ. The Bible says many will do this. Broad is a road that leads to destruction. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, broad is a road that leads to destruction, and many are on that road. They think they're on their way to heaven, but they're on their way to hell and don't know it. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. But narrow is the way to lead to life and few who find it. That same many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and do many miracles? I don't know how many miracles y'all have done. I haven't done any. This seat could do miracles. And Jesus said to them, depart from me for I never knew you. Knowing Jesus intimately is what salvation is. This seat knows about him but doesn't know him personally. It's a very dangerous, dangerous, dangerous seat. There are two evidences on whether or not you're in this seat or not. Because if you're in church and you're not sure if you're in this seat, when I got to this seat, when I was in a mega church in Kansas City, the head deacon of the church stood up and pointed to the seat and said, I'm in the third chair. That's my problem. The, the chairman of the deacons said, I, deacons started popping up all over the room saying, yeah, that's me too. That's me too. But they had a revival in that service. We couldn't stop them. But there's so many people in this seat, very few people know about it. They don't know that they're in it. They're just kind of going through the motions. Church has become a club to them. There's two evidences on whether or not you're in the seat or not. Evidence number one, you know you're saved by your fruit. Well, if 97% of people go to church today don't, don't share the gospel, where's the fruit? 88% don't tithe. And when people talk about tithing, it's insulting. That's my money and I want it now. It's an insult to talk about money. It seems like, why, why would it be an insult? It's not my money. Then, by the way, you know what I call tithing? Tithing is bare minimalistic Christianity. The scripture says to tithe and offer. I'm not saying that because I, don't, I want your money. I don't want your money. I don't care about your money. I want you to give it so that you know the joy of God. You don't understand how awesome it is to tithe. And the reason why is because you're either in that seat or this seat. You know you're a Christian by your fruit. Are you loving your neighbor? Where's your fruit? Second evidence, you know you're saved by conviction of sin. If you're in a sinful action right now in your life and it doesn't bother you, there's a good chance you might be in this seat. Here's the danger. The second chair and the fourth chair on the outside look exactly the same. 
and they both pick on the first chair. Some of you are turning people off. Almost impossible to love Jesus today in churches. This seat goes to heaven, Scripture says, with few rewards. This seat goes to hell, and the Bible says if you know what's right and you don't do it, you'll be beaten with many blows. So which chair are you in? You know what's dangerous about this? You might not know which seat you're in. You might be stuck somewhere in between one of the two. Now, if you're in between, that usually means you're in the lower one. Uh, that becomes dangerous if you're not sure if you're in this one or this one. Good news, good news. I've, I've gone like five minutes over. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Good news, though. All of you are in one of these four seats. <laughs> Satan hates this message. He doesn't want you to know where you are. Go ahead and put that song on for me. Crank it up. Listen to the words of the song. It's by a guy named Clay Cross. Listen to the words. Yeah, crank it up. There you go. Good job, dog. I wrestled in the darkness. This This is like my life. A lonely pilgrim land. Raising Raising fortresses. That I alone command. My life. These castles castles I've constructed. By the strength of my own hand I just temporary kingdoms on foundations made of sand Listen, in the middle of the battle well, I believe I finally found I'll never know the thrill of victory Till I'm willing to lay down All my weapons of defense And earthly strategy so I lay down, down my, my arms, arms and run helplessly to yours. Hear it, hear it, give it to I surrender all my silent hopes and dreams. Though the price, the price to fall, to follow, cost me everything. I surrender all my human soul desires. Listen to the words. The source of my ambition ambition is the treasure treasure I obtain. If I measure my successes on a scale of earthly gain, the focus of my vision is the status I obtain. My accomplishments are worthless and my efforts are in
invitation. And I'll belong to you. The life I live is not my own. Just as Abraham laid Isaac on a sacrificial fire. If all I have is all that you desire, if that's the desire of what you want, I don't care what you think about that. All right, let's pray. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every person in the room would be in the first chair before we leave here. Pray there would be no sissies in the crowd who would be sissies for Jesus. Pray it would be men or woe men for the king of the universe. And we toughen up. Ah! Oh. Please, Lord, don't only possible is if you do it. I know how good the preacher is. He's horrible, but you're amazing. Please change people. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in the fourth chair and want to be in the first chair, you must realize that your sins have hurt Jesus deeply and be willing to say, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, I've messed up. I've lied, I've stolen, I've cheated, I've lusted. Every one of us have messed up. Nobody's perfect. But be willing to say, Jesus, you know what? I want to give you everything I am. Does that mean you have to lay on your face to be saved? No, no, no. It's an attitude of the heart. But watch how cool this is. At that point right there, you will be in... This is not going to work. How about this? You'll be in the first chair. Maybe you're in the third chair. Now, if you're not sure if you're in the second chair or third chair, I highly recommend, I can't command you, but I highly recommend that you would pray this prayer here, this seat right here. If you're not sure if you're in the second or third chair, then do this invitation when we do it. You should say to Jesus, I'm sorry about my sins, Lord. I've messed up many times. I've been such a jerk. Please forgive me. I've lied. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've lusted. Please forgive me. And I want to give you everything I am. Does that mean you have to lay on your face to be saved? No, no, no. It's an attitude of the heart. But at that point right there, you will be in. Watch how cool the grace of God is. Plenty of room in that seat for everybody out there. Maybe you're in the puke seat, like I've been in many times in my life. You should be willing to say, Jesus, I'm sorry about my stupid sins. I've been such a jerk sometimes. I'm so sorry. And I want to re-give you everything I am. Looks like all three prayers are the same, doesn't it? They're not. They're different. But they're close to the same because it's the same product. So watch what happens. The grace of God shows you. I don't know. No. No. <laughs> Plenty of room in that seat for everybody out there. Now that's a cool church. Okay, let's, let's pray. Lord, 
I do pray that everybody would know which seat they're in. Keep the enemy from here in Jesus' name by the authority of Christ, by the blood of the Lamb, words of our testimonies that we've been born again. And I pray, Lord, that this would be fresh and holy for the people out here. Thank you, Lord. Your eyes closed and your heads bowed for just a second. How many of you believe by what I've said so far this, this morning that you may be in the third or the fourth seat and you want to be in the first chair? Third or fourth chair people who want to be in the first chair, raise your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand. Eyes closed and heads bowed. Just look. Raise your hands. Hurry up. Raise them up high. Don't be a sissy about it. Raise your hands up high. Good job. Good job. Ten seconds. Nine. Eight. Seven. Hands are up all over the crowd. Good. Six, five, four, three, hands up in the air, two, one, good, put your hands down. How many of you believe you're in the second chair, the puke seat? You know that you're saved, but you've gotten used to God, and you're as sick of it as I am. Raise your hands in the air. Let me see your hands up in the air. How many hands up in the air? Good, 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 good. Raise your hands up now. Five seconds, four, three, two, one, good, put your hands down. Lord, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do here. I figure the only way possible thing great can happen in here is if you do it. I trust you with it, Lord. The best by far. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. All right. All eyes open, all eyes look around wondering who would do it. Here's what I want to do. I want all of my people who are in the third or fourth chair right now, all eyes open. Let's do, because we're out of time. I'm sorry about going low. I'm so sorry. Because second, third, and fourth chair people, what I want you to do, if you're in the second, third, or fourth chair and you want to be in the first chair, just stand up right now, right where you are. Stand up. Hurry up. Stand up now. And by standing, you're saying, I want to be in the first chair. I'm in the second, third, or fourth chair. Stand up now. Ready? Go. Take your time. Hurry up. Let's go. All my other first chair people, please be praying for this time. But I have a feeling that there's more people who need to be standing now. I'm not going to splash any chicken blood on you. Uh, I think that'd be sacrilegious anyways. I'm just saying... I need you to be standing if you're in the second, third, or fourth chair, and you want to be in the first chair. Ten more seconds to stand, ready to go. Ten seconds to stand up, second, third, or fourth chair. Stand up now, go. Nine, eight, seven, six. <laughs> ah, I knew it. Okay, all of you who are standing, bow your heads right where you are. Just bow your heads right where you are. You tell Jesus what you think about your sins. Uh, tell him you're sorry. If you're sorry, that's the only reason why you should be standing now is if you are sorry about it. And tell Jesus you want to give him everything you are in your life. Give him everything. Give him your life, your heart, your shoes, your soul. Give him all that you are. Just tell him, I surrender all. Use your own words. I wasn't really ready for this many people to be standing, so just take your time. 20 more seconds, just take your time. For those of you who are in the third or fourth chairs, I want you to come down in the front after the service today and talk to Pastor Rick and Pastor Kelvin, find some of the church members and get their, let them get the information from you. So they can follow you up and train you and help you like a newborn babe who desires pure spiritual milk to grow according to the word of God. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for Father's Day. Thank you for being our father. 
which art in heaven. Thank you for that. We love you. You're by far the best thing that's ever happened to us, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Everybody stand now. Find somebody to give them a hug. Don't give them some sissy hug. Crack their back. Give them a big hug. It is true that if our country is going to change, if our province, our city is going to change, it starts with God's people being all in for Jesus Christ. What a great move of God we have witnessed here this morning. And uh, we encourage you, if you have come to know Christ or you want to commit your life passionately to Him, uh, we want to meet you here and talk to you here. So our pastors will be here to talk with you right after. We also would invite you to join us for lunch in the lot, and uh, we'll enjoy the rest of the day. We also want to mention to you that, and thank Adrian, thank you so much for being God's servant here today. We appreciate you. uh, Thank thank your wife and your children for giving you to us on Father's Day. It's a real blessing to us, a real gift. Thank you for that. And uh, Adrian has um, some t-shirts back there that have the four chairs, and will really help you to remember not only the message, but uh, it'll be part of a conversation starter, boldness for Christ, and an opportunity. So you go by and see him there, and uh, he has some t-shirts and things, and, and uh, they cost some money, but if you don't have money, Adrian's a, a good guy, and he may be able to work something out for you. Is that all right, brother? That's good. Okay. Let me close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for this morning, for being together here. Lord, we just pray and thank you for moving in our hearts, moving our hearts, uh, we, we need to be all in for you. You deserve that kind of devotion from us. And, oh, God, I pray that we might come to serve you with everything that we have, that this land of ours might be returned to righteousness. Oh, God, how we need this. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the food that we're about to partake of. Uh, bless it to our bodies. Thank you for those who have prepared it. And, uh, Lord, give us a, a wonderful day as we serve you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.